Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Tarek heads or tails. Shake your tail feathers. Hey, it's heads. It's heads. All right. As it always is. All right, hey, let's you go. know it. Every single time, Trey <laughs> would like the ball. All right, easy one for you. You, eh, let's let's end startup season. Regular season is upon us. Um, I got two wide receivers here. I actually saw this trade take place, so take your side. Christian Kirk or Michael Pittman? Oh, God. Oh, man. Um... While you're thinking, I, I really like seeing these trades go down like a player for a player that are just like straight up ranked yeah. higher than the other people's rankings. So, yeah, that's very much like a challenge bet, right? Um, I'm going to go Christian Kirk. I'm going to go with the cap and man, I, I just think like he put enough out on film last year in that offseason. I think he's just generally regarded as good, even though he's maybe a little bit of like a limited player, like more of a zone beater than just like a uh, do anything type outside threat. So I think he's going to be productive. I think the upside is there. I think it's a high floor, whereas I'm worried the the floor could be very, very low for Pittman this year in that Colts offense. So it's close though. And I do think Pittman's a very good receiver, but I'll g- give me Kirk by a little bit. He's got a little cap in him. Tarek, I know you got Pittman ranked a little higher. Give us the case. I do. Uh, I, I think this is a really good question because I think you can argue it either way pretty well. Um, last year, Christian Kirk had 14.2 PPR points per game. Compare that to Michael Pittman at 13.5. So, you know, under a point difference per game. Uh, I do think Michael Pittman is uh, a better player overall. Uh, I just like, you know, how he plays the game. He's really, really good separator as an X receiver, really good contested catch guy. Um, and yes, like that offense is probably going to put a ceiling on his production. Um, but, you know, there is the possibility that uh, Anthony Richardson is something more than we expect as a passer. Uh, and in that case, you know, I, I would probably just bet on the player that I think is uh, a little bit better. Um, I am kind of a Christian Kirk hater. Um, like historically, I've been coming around on him more and more as you guys have convinced me over the offseason. Um, but yeah, it's close, but I'll, I'll take MPJ. You know, it kind of reminds me of the way people felt about AJ Brown being a Titan. You know, they, they just said ta- the talents there, but the, the situation, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't like it. And I feel like this is one of those talent versus situation things where Pittman is a bona fide stud wide receiver one in the right situation. And I feel like if he gets it or if Richardson is it, then the sky's the limit as where we saw where uh, Kirk's ceiling is, which is good. I, I'm a Kirk fan here, but give me Edge Pittman as well. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying about talent versus situation. I think the talent gap is probably not as big as both of you are saying. Mm-hmm. And the situation gap is huge here between the two. So Fair. yeah, I'm, I'm happy with Kirk actually. Oh, it's it's very close. Uh, shout out to uh, the new league, the new dynasty league, as if I needed another one. Dog style. I don't know what that's a reference to. It might be like a swimming yeah. technique, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Doggy paddle, you know? Yeah, that's it. That's but, it. Cool. Thanks cool. for having me, boys. Very family friendly, this pod. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a swimming technique, so... <laughs> Nothing to see here. Obviously. Obviously.
What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into episode 91 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshuya. With me, per usual, Trey Cryan and Marles Yates. Very good to see the homies. It's been a couple weeks. Trey, how's it going, man? Doing good, doing good. I'm about a month away from the uh, wedding day, so uh, life is uh, pretty busy right now, getting ready for that. And uh, of course, we get to hang out in Austin and celebrate our bud, uh, Ross Davis, in the meantime. So shout out to him and Ari. Yeah, the uh, TLG boys are are going to be in Austin coming up here in a couple of weeks. Very exciting. We were just talking about that before pressing the record button. Marles, how you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to see you kids in Austin. Maybe maybe one day we'll do our live recording, our uh, our pod episode with everybody there. Maybe we can just surprise John if if he wants to still be in the pod. But yeah, <laughs> no, I, I'm excited to see you guys. So many weddings going on this this month and and next. Not pointing any fingers, but yeah, it's gonna gonna be a lot of traveling, a lot of fun. I, I'm actually really excited for these next couple of months. It's it is upon us, and guess what else is upon us? Football in the next couple of months. It's gonna be great. Hell yeah, that's right. Hell yeah, that's right. Trey, your isn't your wedding week one? You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, the Thursday night game. <laughs> What is is that Kansas City at is it Detroit and it's Kansas City? It's the Lions, man. I got, yeah, I got it's, so many players. Yeah, it's Detroit at Kansas City. I think that's Thursday. I get married on Saturday and then week one starts on uh, the next day. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, that'll be fun. Looking forward to uh seeing Trey jump into that monogamy pool. Um, but alas, let's get started. So uh before we jump into the main content of today's episode, I did want to talk about the big news of the day, and it's kind of within the broader context of the running back position and, you know, the the whole Zoom chat and group chat uh, among all the running backs because they're getting screwed by uh, the current contract situation. You know, basically running backs get used and abused during their rookie contract, and then now they're having a really hard time finding uh, money for that second contract. But The main player here over the last few days has been Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts. There's been a lot of drama. It's basically been like a back and forth between his camp. Uh, Jim Ursay been very vocal on Twitter, um, definitely throwing gasoline onto the fire. So um, obviously, you know, we want these players to get paid, you know, regardless of what you think about the value of the running back position, whatever, whatever, we're, we're not here to legislate that, but, uh, we are here to legislate dynasty value. So wanted to get you, your guys's take on how the current situation with Jonathan Taylor, and you could even add Josh Jacobs into that mix as well, because he is currently kind of holding in from training camp, I believe, what uh, you are doing? What are you act? What are you actioning out of this uh, in your dynasty leagues? Uh, Trey, do you want to start? Yeah, I don't know that there's much you can do if you've got Taylor or Jacobs on your roster right now. I think you kind of just have to wait and hope for the best. Uh, definitely start grabbing some of those backups. Like I, I put in a couple waiver claims for Dion Jackson. If you're able to snag him uh, from the Colts or Zamir White, obviously for the Raiders. Uh, definitely put those claims in if you haven't already, but 
Um, I mean, these guys don't have a ton of leverage. I think they probably are gonna end up playing week one. You know, I think with Jacobs, at least he's probably in line for something similar to that Saquon deal. I highly doubt that Jonathan Taylor is going to end up traded to another team. Uh, so yeah, if Jim Isray or Ursay or however you say his last name can, uh, put down Twitter for a little bit, uh, I think maybe they can reconcile and get, uh, their best offensive player back in the building. Yeah. I, the one thing I will note, uh, Trey mentioned Dion Jackson. I believe today Zach Moss broke his arm. So he's out for six weeks. We talked about this last week. Uh, Zach Moss is dust, but, uh, it does open the door for Dion Jackson to be potentially like the clear handcuff there. Um, so good call out there, Mitch. Uh, what are you thinking about this running back drama? I think to me, well, A, I, I think it really does suck for the running backs because they, like you mentioned, have no leverage. So yeah, agreed. I agree with Trey. I, I'm pretty sure they're going to end up realizing that at some point and playing. But until then, um, I, I don't really care about these backup guys. I think this, to me, uh, makes me more interested in guys like the scabs, if you will, like like Zeke and like Lenny, Leonard Fournette. Players like that that I think would actually be more useful if they were to hold out. I think that that would probably be the direction that one of these teams would go, picking up a veteran and just plugging him in there. But either way, I, the expectation of a backup or one of these guys having like season-saving fantasy points isn't really that exciting of a thought, though. Yeah. And so the point on the backups isn't that they're going to win the league for you. It's just that upside that comes with a potential holdout is worth the 10 fab dollars or whatever it costs to pick them up off waivers. But I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the like scab guys, like the old vets that have kind of been lurking in the background all off season. When you, when you said scab guy, I thought you meant Saquon Barkley for, for crossing the picket line. <laughs> right, right, right. No, but I'm scab Quan Barkley. Yeah, I'm talking about Leonard Fournette. I'm talking about um, Kareem Hunt. Uh, and I'm talking about Ezekiel Elliott because uh, all those guys have been in the league forever. They're all free agents and they all are still kind of lurking in the background. Uh, there's a couple of teams that I'm kind of interested to see if they think if, if they're possibly going to be the ones that bring in one of these guys first. Uh, it seems like New England has had multiple of these guys in for uh, tryouts now at this point. Um, I guess Dalvin Cook's the other one. Yeah, I guess he hasn't signed a, a, a contract yet either. But um, the Jets are interesting. Uh, we don't know how Hall is progressing. Uh, the other one that's interesting to me is uh, the Rams uh, because I don't know if they're totally sold on Cam Akers. And I, I'm pretty sure Sony Michelle uh, just officially retired from NFL. So um, I think that could be potentially an option as well for one of those older guys. Interesting. Um, so what I thought at least somebody was going to say is that it's it's time to transact on Jonathan Taylor and <laughs> Josh Jacobs. Like that was kind of the lead in that was trying to kind of lead y'all to that because that's that's my perspective. You know, I I think we had a couple week period where we had a pretty solid buy scenario for Saquon Barkley. John mentioned it last week. I think we're getting that for Jonathan Taylor and uh, for Josh Jacobs now, even like Jonathan Taylor, I think he had a video at camp today where he looked a little stiff. So I like that may be piling onto it. I think any buy window that this opens up for those very good contributing running backs to your contending teams, Jonathan Taylor and Josh Jacobs, I think you should test the waters. 
I, I'm not, I, I feel like on Twitter, I've seen like pretty interesting trades go through. Like if you can get one of them for like a random 2024 first or something like that, that'd be great. I I'm, I'm doing things like that. I'm at least testing the waters there, but what do y'all think? I think I've been shut down with that idea and probably like 18 leagues. I did actually try to like low ball for Jonathan Taylor. I, and not even low ball, but like, just like a reasonable trade, right? Like a James Connor and a and a like twenty twenty four one like like it's not a great deal, but it's it's something for right? Jonathan because, Taylor because Jonathan Taylor, you know, he's got to scare some people, but like yeah, it's it's not going to happen. A Jonathan Taylor, like the first thing Trey said was you got to hold. Like the the manager knows that like the situation sucks they they're not excited to hear yeah maybe in 90% of your leagues the Jonathan Taylor manager knows that or thinks but that but you ought or whatever. to shoot a, an offer yeah. for sure <laughs> just don't be I, expecting yeah, and, him to accept it yeah Marles, i i get where you're coming from like you got you need the other guy to hit accept but you know what's like the highest price you're willing to pay for either of these dudes right now i think if you can get either of them for a future first then yeah it's a pretty good deal uh, but you know, any much more than that, I'm not super into buying either of them right now, just with all the risks that you're taking on. Um, I mean, because those holdouts, that, that is a potential risk here. Look at Le'Veon, man. He just nuked his entire career and I, I don't know. <laughs> we might yeah. see another. All right. Well, uh, good conversation about the running backs there, uh, coming out of our running back episode a couple weeks ago. But let's finish up our rankings conversation. So today for the rest of the show, um, we're going to do our final installment of our rankings refresh series. So we've done wide receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs. Now we're going to talk about everybody's favorite position, the tight end. Certainly Mitch's favorite position. You know it, baby. Um, So any insights that came out of adjusting our ranks in the wake of a pretty solid tight end prospect class in 2023. Um, But since it is the tight end position, so there's a little bit less meat on the bone, we're also at the end of the episode going to give a single storyline that we're watching in training camps across the league. So the usual caveat here applies in that we recognize that training camp hype, the hype machine basically distorts reality and it distorts the dynasty market more than it offers any kind of intelligence. But every once in a while, I think there's some information out there that's actionable. So we're going to go, we're not going to go through like each team or anything, but we'll be more selective. Each of us will choose one thing that we want to pay attention to. But let's start with uh, the big boys, the tight ends. And here, uh, our first thing we want to talk about is tier one. So tier one for all of us as for the market as a whole, it consists of three players pretty much. And that is a 34 year old goat a 28-year-old serial producer, and a 23-year-old GOAT prospect. So, of course, that's Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and Kyle Pitts. Keep Trade Cut has them ranked oldest to youngest, as I just, you know, uh, named them. But our rankings vary a bit from that. So, Mitch, let's start with start with you. How do you rank Tier 1 and, and give us your justification? All right, yeah, I have Mark Andrews tight end 1, actually, Kelsey 2, and then Pitts 3. And it's pretty simple. I think Mark Andrews is going to have the most fantasy points per game over the next three to five seasons. And that's because Lamar Jackson's in town. Mark Andrews is 27 years old now, which to he'll me, be 28 when the season starts. He'll be 28. That's fine. It gives him an eternity left in uh, in NFL tight end lifespan here. So 
hell, like he's hitting his prime right now, right? According to the the way it usually goes. So yeah, I think Andrews closes the gap a little bit on Kelsey. I I still think Kelsey's tight end one for twenty twenty three. I'm not yeah trying oh, yeah. to say that he's oh, not, yeah. but this this year might be the year to to sell Kelsey, and maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. But th- this to me is more Pitts versus versus Andrews in the long term, and I. You know, I like I said, the, the three-year thing, I would wager that Andrews has better three years than Pitts, and that's what it, that's what really is the, the tiebreaker for me there. But they're all in Tier 1. I'm, I'm happy with all these guys. These guys all come off the board in the first two rounds of startups, and uh, they're all worth their share in gold. So I like them all. Yeah, I so I certainly agree with the tier. Uh, I have them in uh, the reverse order to the market here. So I have them ranked youngest to oldest. Uh, so Pitts is my one, Andrews is my two, and Kelsey is my three. Uh, I want to kind of just circle into what you were saying there, Miles, because I think the if you're betting that Andrews has more points in the next three years, then yeah, I think that's fair to have him uh, above Pitts. But I think we've seen enough out of Pitts, out of his rookie year, even last year with Mariota at quarterback and all of those passes that were just like crazy overthrown, like terrible oh, yeah. uh, throws that, that Pitts got. I think he led the league in like uncatchable passes or he some, some stats. There's like a viral that. video going around uh, Twitter right now from training camp of Desmond Ritter throwing uh, a terrible ball to Kyle Pitts. Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> and, and that's why we fade the training camp hype. But look... Um, <laughs> My point is, is I think Pitts is getting addition by subtraction at the quarterback position. <laughs> I really do think that like <laughs> Mariota leaving and literally anybody else stepping in is is a step in the right direction for him. And I, I think the tight end one in redraft is very, very much still in play for Kyle Pitts based on the first two years. So uh, I will bet that he his upside uh, shows up and he is uh, outscoring Andrews over the next three seasons. And even if he doesn't, he's also what, like four years younger. So um, having him ranked higher for dynasty, even on the same tier. Um, I'm comfortable with that, uh, weighting youth a little bit heavier here, but Mitch, before you respond mm-hmm. closer to five years younger than, thank four. you. Right. And, and Trey, maybe in two years, I think I'll have Pitts ranked higher. And I, I think that's completely fair. Like what you're saying, it, but I mean, if, if Pitts comes out and scores 18 points per game, you're going to have him ranked higher in, in two months. minutes. Yeah. 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 But <laughs> I, I think just the way that I believe it's going to play out is that, yeah, I think that Andrews is going to be more valuable over the next two seasons than Pitts. Like, like redraft for sure. So that's yeah. plenty of time to justify a tight end one season if that's what you're projecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that's certainly understandable. I, I think I'm just going to make the bet on the upside of Pitts and that prospect profile. But it again, oh, it's, it's, it's super close. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm on Trey's side here. I don't really have much to add. Um, I've got Kyle Pitts one, Mark Andrews two, and Travis Kelsey three. Uh, I think it's a super close tier, and I'm not going to really argue too hard with you either way. I do have more Andrews on my teams than than I do Pitts. Um, for what it's worth, really going to be interested to see uh, Brock Bowers come out next year uh, and how he complicates this conversation because he is arguably uh, an even better, an even better prospect than Kyle Pitts, which is insane. Okay, let's move on to our next topic here, and that is who is in tier two for all of us. So, kind of moving down the rankings here as we have been, it seems like you could make an argument for as little as three players in tier two. 
or as many as like nine or 10, depending on your valuation outlook. Like if you're looking at tier two is where I put producers who maybe aren't as productive as like a Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey, but very good. Or if you want to expand that into like, you know, some of these 2023 rookies, et cetera, et cetera, you could have a really big tier two. So Trey, who's in your tier two? And then, you know, we'll, we'll discuss. All right. So my tight end four for my dynasty rank uh, is the top of this tier and that's TJ Hawkinson. I think he's going to be an absolute volume machine in Minnesota this year. And because of that volume, I think he does have the upside uh, as tight end one overall for this year. So like, let's not count that out. Uh, George Kittle is my tight end five. He's older. Uh, he's got way more uh, competition for targets in San Francisco, and it's a much more limited number of uh, target volumes that he's going to be competing with in that offense. So uh, for him to really hit that tight end one upside, he's going to need an injury to Debo or Ayuk or McCaffrey for an extended period of time. Uh, but he's good. He's good at football. So I like him at number five. Uh, Goddard is the end of my uh, tier two here. He's my tight end six. Uh, honestly, Goddard is the most borderline for me out of these three. I kind of, uh, debated making this just a two player tier versus three, uh, because of the target competition there in Philly. Um, I don't think he necessarily has that similar upside. He hasn't shown that same, um, just elite production that Kittle has over the course of his career. So I think it's a little bit more of a question mark, even though we're convinced he's pretty good. Um, so yeah, I mean, those it's, it's Hawk, it's Kittle, it's Goddard for me. There's just other issues I have with guys like Dalton Kincaid, Pat Fryermuth, Darren Waller that kind of knock them out of that tier and move them down to tier three for me. But yeah, Hawk, Kittle and Goddard. Yeah. Trey, I have the same order. TJ Hawkinson, tight end four, Kittle five, Goddard six, but I do have Dalton Kincaid in that same tier. So I look at this tier two a little bit differently, uh, where you have, you mentioned that um, Kittle and Goddard have some some competition there for targets, but I think Hawkinson also does. He's got this guy named Justin Jefferson there who might have a few targets coming his way, but Addison as well, I think that he's going to get some looks too. So I think there's a lot of one-two punches in front of these guys, so... Now, points Hawkinson because that's a much higher passing offense, so you're going to have Kirk Cousins slinging it as where um, in in the Eagles offense, Hurts has, hasn't really thrown it a whole lot there. So I, I like that Hawkinson and uh, Kittle are higher. Yeah, they but don't King, throw it a lot in San Francisco either. Yeah, but, you know, Kittle's the fucking man, right? So, it, like, he, he is wide receiver one there, but... Dalton Kincaid, I think, is this dark horse wild card here where if this dude happens to be like the starting slot or uh, like the second highest uh, like target percentage on, on the team, then we're going to be talking about a dude that's like bona fide top five year after year. And that's kind of why I had to include him in this tier, because I feel like he has an upside that the guys behind him like. Pat Fryermuth, Greg Dulcich, David Njoku, they don't have that like tantalizing upside that Kincaid has with Josh Allen. Let me let me just uh, challenge that a little bit because sure. I think if you're going to say they're in the same tier, I think you need to look at a trade but between like Dalton Kincaid and George Kittle or a trade of like Kincaid for Hawkinson 
and think that like, okay, I, maybe I wouldn't do it, but that's like roughly fair value. And I definitely don't think that's the case. He's a rookie and I don't think like he's guaranteed production and the risk with that rookie tight end is too much for me to have him in the same tier as those other guys. And I, and, th- and that's sort of why I have Goddard as more of a borderline at the bottom of that tier. Um, just I, cause I do think there's more risk associated with him than Hawk and Kittle as well. Well, I hear you, but these are not contender rankings. So as where you're going to get guaranteed production from like Kittle, um, if you're going to look at a, at a trade with Kittle and Kincaid, if there are two directions here, if one team's going contender and one team's going like, man, maybe I can't contend until 2024, then we're talking about uh, similarly valued assets here. So uh, again, like if we were to look at this next year and we were going to look at our tight end rankings, it, it is very reasonable for me to have Kincaid ahead of Kittle next year. And so this goes into a projection of like, well, Kittle is going to be another year older and Kincaid could have hit in, in Buffalo. So yeah, there, there's this contingency, right? He has to hit. Uh, that's what I keep saying. But I do think that the Bills traded up in the first round for a pass-catching tight end to hit. So I'm baking that that it's a hit in. But yeah, I mean, sure. Like if, you, if you're talking redraft, obviously Kittle's going to be no, higher. No, I'm, I'm not talking redraft. I'm talking dynasty as well. I think you're just much more confident in Kincaid than I am. That must be it. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I have Kincaid uh, in this tier. He's my tight end eight. So in between four through eight uh, is my tier two. Um, I'm the highest on Dallas Goddard. Uh, I just think he's really good. I, I have him at tight end four right now, but I basically think Goddard, Kittle, and Hawkinson are interchangeable for me. Like I would happily trade any of them for the other one and a third or something like that. I just want to. You you guys talked about a lot, so I'm not going to like rehash everything you said. But one thing I want to drive home is that TJ Hawkinson, he had 97 targets on the Vikings last year in 11 games. Absolutely yes, absurd. Like nine, almost nine targets per game traded in the middle of the season. That is one of the most underrated storylines of the whole entire like dynasty landscape last year. Obviously TJ Hawkinson is like consensus tight end for, you know, so maybe it's, I'm overhyping it, but well, you might not be. I mean, what I if mean, if he can, three? if he can do that being traded in the middle of the season, kind of command that kind of target number. I'm, I'm really intrigued uh, as to what he can do with a full off season under his belt. Um, the only other thing I'll say here, I do actually have Darren Waller in this tier. Um, So I believe that Darren Waller is also going to be very, very productive. I'm a lot more confident that Darren Waller will be a top, you know, eight, if not top five fantasy tight end in points per game than I am in somebody like Dalton Kincaid. Um, So I have them right next to each other with Waller at seven and Kincaid at eight. Obviously, Kincaid, you got the youth, you got the Bills offense, et cetera. I'm really, really high on Darren Waller being the primary pass catcher um, in uh new york so y'all definitely disagree with that rather than lump waller into the next conversation i, I want to have a conversation about him here because he's in my tier two yeah i i like that because every time you see waller on a football field he's doing crazy shit and he's a really good player but i think that his health is a concern and what he's 32 is that right 
Yeah, I think he's 31 potentially. Okay, I'm picking numbers first. out of the air, so I apologize. Yeah, he's but... he's he's going to be 31 this season. Okay. So, yeah, I guess it's not that old, but yeah, I guess I want to see it. I want to see it first. If I can see it in the first couple of games, then I think that I will shoot him up my ranks. Uh but I, I you know, I was bullish about him in redraft. I still am. I'm just like afraid of uh yeah, I'm just afraid of his injuries. I think that's where I'm at with him. Yeah, and, and I'm closer to Tarek's rank here. I have Kincaid, Fryermuth, and Waller as the top end of my uh, tier three here, seven, eight, and nine. Uh, so I certainly like the upside. I just think the risk with Waller is that um, the age, the injury history, and it could go off the rails pretty quick based on what we've seen in the last two years. Like if he misses significant time this year, that could be it for his career. I know you could make that injury argument for a lot of guys, I think it's worth pointing out for him. Um, I mean, I, I certainly like the price in redraft and in dynasty at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to put him in that same conversation as Kittle or Hawkinson. Like, not even close. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to agree with Trey. I don't think he belongs in that tier. I do, though, think that he's knocking on the door with a bunch of other guys, though. Because when I start comparing Waller to guys like, like Evan Ingram, for example, I, I see the same player but i see a couple years off the top right I, I think ingram can put up very similar numbers in a pass happy offense i will talk about strange later but he's a rookie tight end like there's no competition to ingram there and then when i look at guys like laporta versus waller i'm like well laporta's the the future right so i i don't i don't think that like one season of waller is gonna justify me taking waller over laporta and then, yeah, you got the rest of the guys like Chig and Joku, Dulcich that like they're just like objectively better long term assets than Waller. All right. So Mitch uh, kind of transitioning us really well into our next topic here by kind of moonwalking down that ranking <laughs> list. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, great MJ impression. Yeah, there, well dude. done. Uh, if, if, if so, basically. I want to talk about the other rookies not named Dalton Kincaid. So Michael Mayer drafted in the second round uh, by the Raiders, Laporta in the second round by the Lions, and then Luke Musgrave was drafted in the second round by the Green Bay Packers. Let's talk about them. Uh, Mitch, how do you rank those guys, uh, the, that, that kind of tier of three 2023 rookies, um, and then – yeah, Trey, we'll get your take after that. I'm getting back into my comfort zone. This is this is the territory where I revert back to my mindset of not drafting rookie tight ends for my dynasty squad. Because if your expectations are for rookie tight ends, are, if they're low like mine, you're not going to be surprised or disappointed when guys like Laporta and Meyer and Musgrave underwhelm here. So I, I think that I'll go ahead and talk about who are we talking about? Uh, Laporta first, because I think that he is definitely like above the the rest here for me. And I look at this Lions passing attack as just a pretty nasty, nasty team. And I'm trying not to buy the Laporta camp hype, but there's not a lot of tight ends there close to him. We got a, a second round pick here, a pass catching tight end. I'm I'm kind of drinking the Kool Aid here. Maybe you guys can cool me off. Hey, Trey, I love the the nasty passing offense with Jared Goff. But I, I guess, I mean, hey, look, he's, it's a he's... wagon without a coach, all right? <laughs> <laughs> look, 
I, I was actually going to take issue with what you said about like Laporta, Mayer, and like them being too expensive for you generally in rookie drafts. Because early on in the rookie draft process, it was like Michael Mayer was an early second round pick and Sam Laporta was like a late second round pick. And I, you know, you can go check my Twitter receipts. I was just screaming that Laporta was such a value at the end of the second round. Right now on Keep Trade Cut, he's the 14th ranked uh, rookie uh, for 2023 uh, in Super Well, that's Flex. changed so a lot, hasn't it? He's definitely moved up. So now it's actually Musgrave, who's all the way down at 26, um, that I would probably be targeting uh, between those three, just the cheapest of the three. Trey, um, how are you parsing out Mayer, Laporta, and Musgrave? Yeah, so because Mayer and Laporta went so close next to each other in the draft, I think uh, Laporta was pick 34 and uh, Michael Mayer was pick 35 overall. So that was close enough to where I think I could just stick to my pre-draft ranking of Mayer uh, over Laporta. Um, I recognize Laporta is a little bit better of an athlete, but Mayer was just such a serial producer at Notre Dame. Call it a homer pick if you want. I'll keep him at the top of this group of three, but I don't think there should be any daylight at all between these guys. And especially not between mayor Laporta and Luke Musgrave down in the twenties. I've got Luke Musgrave all the way up as my tight end 13. I've got it. Mayor Laporta Musgrave, 11, 12, 13. The dude can fucking ball man. Like, and he was just an absolute athletic specimen at Oregon state. Yes. He was kind of hampered by injuries, but I think this guy is like the next Dallas Goddard. I'll, I'll like stick to that assessment. I, I love the upside. I think he could very well be Jordan Love's favorite pass catching weapon on uh, day one. And if he's going that cheap, like I'm probably going to have to start buying him up everywhere. Yeah, Trey, man, Musgrave, my pre-draft process, tight end one. It, what, he's tight end 20 on keep trade cut. And I don't know, man, that, that's that's free money right there dude you should i I see him in your ranks behind hayden hurst and it's pissing me off dude you need to fix that right you need to fix that right now here's why that's upsetting why i'll throw it out there uh tucker craft uh like look man look they took two tight ends it sucks it sucks for everybody we booed this pick i'm i'm might be more interested in craft at the at the price here but Either one of these guys could emerge as the top pass catcher, or they could just be cannibalizing each other. Like, he's down in my ranks because I, I just don't know which one of these guys is going to hit. Okay. Well, so right. you're basically hedging, even though Luke Musgrave was your tight end one pre draft. Well, I want to talk about uh, Mayer as well, just being on. Yeah, let's talk about Mayer. Because, like, he landed. I'm also low on Jordan Love. Like, this is just not a a good conversation for me when it comes to the Packers tight ends. I would like to resume this conversation next year when when they're both the same value and neither have emerged. But uh, back to Mayer, uh, I think that his situation is fucking great. I think the Raiders with uh, uh, Josh McDaniels is perfect perfect fit for him and so uh, the price is just a little high for me and i I, this is also going to sound funny but i think austin hooper is going to get like the early season uh pass catches and i don't think mayor is going to like pop the way that a lot of people are expecting him to and so i think my game plan with him is to try to target him mid-season when as i mentioned the expectations for some of these guys is like 
for them to produce, and then they're they're not halfway into their rookie season. So I don't currently like Mayer's price, but I think that he's going to be a target soon. Yeah, and maybe I should just kind of talk about philosophy here for a second because yeah these are dynasty ranks like yes if you're a contender like having Laporta in your starting lineup is probably not a great move over David Njoku or Evan Ingram right but like Mm -hmm. I've got him ranked that way because I think that the profile is there like the prospect uh, profile for all these guys like as high second round picks basically puts them on that same trajectory as like uh, Pat Fryermuth from a couple years ago uh, Greg Dulcich from last year. I think he was a second Dallas rounder. Goddard. Yeah. Goddard from like four or five years ago. So yeah, I think they're, they are on that trajectory. They're good athletes. The, the targets may not translate to a ton of fantasy points in year one, but like, I don't see me going too much lower in the ranks over the course of 2023 for any one of these three guys. Yeah. I, I'm not going to add too much here. I will just echo what Trey said. I think the biggest takeaway from this tier for me is that Musgrave is a huge target. It's like I have way more Musgrave in my leagues personally than I have Mayer and Laporta. And that's just because every single time in the early third round in my rookie drafts, I was smashing Luke Musgrave. Um, So really excited about the value here. Yes, Let's talk about like the next tier here that includes Tucker Craft, who was drafted in the third round by uh, the Packers. But that being said, I just think like with Musgrave's draft capital, with his athletic profile, with what we did see on tape, um, I'm really excited about being able to get him in the early third round, whereas you have to pay that early second round pick in rookie drafts for Mayer and Laporta. And that obviously does translate to startups as well. So. Let's talk about Tucker Craft, uh, but there's also Shoemaker, Luke Shoemaker, who was a late uh, Huna maker, late <laughs> late, uh, late round pick or late second round pick by the Dallas Cowboys after they got Wally pipped uh, by the Bills <laughs> for Kincaid. And then Brenton Strange, who was also picked, I believe, in the late second round um, by was it late second or, or the third round? It was late Brenton second. Strange. Late, late second. in the second uh, by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, Mitch, of these guys, you know, or talk to me about this craft shoemaker Brenton Strange tier. As I mentioned, craft is good value, good value because I think that it's kind of a coin flip who works out. Uh, yeah, he was he was available in like the fourth round, right? He, he's free ninety nine, and along with that, so is Strange. He might be a cool pick in like three years, but as I mentioned, like Evan Ingram is the guy. So if you're into plugging guys into your taxi squad and chilling. Strange is tight end 46 on keep trade cut, which is so free. Um, Strange. Shunamaker. Hoonamaker. Um, you know, Tarek and I got into a conversation recently about who might be the tight end one in Dallas. And I I don't think it's any of them. I think they're all <laughs> just a Voltron combination of Hoonamaker and Henderfoot and Ferguson. I'm just... I think I'm just going to steer clear of that room. And maybe that's a mistake because we saw Dalton Schultz, who wasn't very athletic or anything, really, just just a guy. Uh, we saw him get, uh, I think he was number nine in points per game last year. So it's yeah, definitely I mean, the year possible. before that, he was tight in three or something in points per game. Yeah, so, I think yeah. it's possible that like one of the guys emerges, but... I don't think it's probable. I, and so Hoonamaker might be a, a 
a good again taxi pick over the next like three years but like I, I don't think that we should be expecting anything more from these guys yeah trey i have zero percent hunamaker because he always just went a little bit too high for me um but what do you think yeah it's who is it schoonmaker uh so him and, I, him and strange. I, I say shoonmaker but i think hunamaker is just it's I, too good i have so. no idea luke uh <laughs> um yeah i i'm not really excited about him or strange uh i mean they were like available in the fourth rounds of rookie drafts and uh for a second round tight end pick like that's not bad to stash for later uh i do think i out of the three dudes we're talking about i prefer tucker craft uh, he was the most athletic and kind of had the best pass catching profile out of the three, but he's a super, super small school guy. I want to say South Dakota State University. Uh, I could be wrong, but I just, I definitely don't think that's going to translate in year one to the NFL game. Uh, I mean, yeah, Hoonmaker and Strange both played in the Big Ten at, at Michigan and Penn State. Uh, but like to, to Marles' point, yeah, I think Evan Ingram's got the lock on the job in Jacksonville. And I think I'm a little bit more confident in Jake Ferguson being the dude in Dallas. But, uh, I think with Dallas bringing in Brandon cooks in the off season, uh, hopefully some more of those targets will go to the wide receiver position rather than the tight mm-hmm. end going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Shoemaker is an athlete. He's like a 90th percentile athlete, but he is also 25. Yeah. Um, and he should be hitting his stride. So I, I think he's definitely like was, was brought in as more of a blocker. Right. Um, and I think the same but, deal was strange too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as well as Darnell Washington, who we haven't talked about, uh, <laughs> sixth offensive lineman there in, uh, Pittsburgh. All right. Uh, let's move on uh, from the rookies here and let's talk about the general tight end two landscape. So anywhere from tight end 13 to about call it tight end 25 that you feel somewhat confident or, or at least like reasonably confident can have a top eight tight end season. Uh, so, you know, represents a really good value in that tight end two range. Honestly, tight end eight from a points per game standpoint is is not a very exciting bar to clear uh, in terms of contributing to your overall roster. But it is better, you know, it is the top eight tight ends. So it's worth talking about. Trey, tight end two that you think can have a top eight tight end season in 2023. Let's keep it to this year. All right. So the the obvious choice for me is David Njoku. He's currently keep trade cut tight end 13. Uh, he was, I think, tight end seven uh, or maybe tight end eight in points per game last season. So that means he can definitely do it again uh, next year. Um, and I really like that situation. I think that offense uh, could definitely take a giant step forward compared to what we saw last season. I'm not super impressed with the competition for targets at wide receiver. Uh, so yeah, I've gotten a Joku as my tight end 14, slightly below market, but definitely think he could step up and uh, produce well again this year. I do have a longer shot name for you. I think Gerald Everett, he's my tight end 22. I think he could very well surprise uh, and put up some big numbers in that uh, Chargers offense this year. I think Kellen Moore, that offensive line coming back to full strength, uh, Justin Herbert bouncing back means Everett could uh, find himself in the end zone enough times this year to be a top end, a top end tight end uh, by the end of the year. Trey, I like that. I, I do love me some some Gerald Everett, deep deep roster guy. But yeah, I root for him because I have a lot of them. I I don't think he's very good at football, but he's in a good situation. No, but he sure is free. 
All right. Uh, so I'll I'll hop in here. I have uh, Dalton Schultz number seventeen as uh, Mister Security Blanky. Uh, you know that's what he was for Dak, and now he's uh, stayed in Texas, went to Houston, and he's C.J. Stroud's guy. And as I mentioned, number nine in points per game last year. And number six in air yards, I, I think that Stroud could actually increase these numbers because Stroud's a really good passer that lacks a top-end wide receiver, and he's going to need a guy to catch passes over the middle and get checkdowns. And that's Dalton Schultz's bag right there. So um, he's he's uh, one of my tight end twos that I feel pretty confident could get a top tight end eight season, according to the question here. But... The guy that I really like is uh, Cole Komet, uh, who's obviously as good as Saquon Barkley because of his contract. <laughs> but uh, as foretold by Jonathan Alexander, I think he's arrived. I think uh, he was number one in snap share last year, uh, playing 94.5% of the snaps for the Bears at tight end. He's only 24 with three years under his belt. That's crazy. And, he is so young. And like, yeah. dude, this this guy could easily be a tight end one in points per game, man. Like, uh, this would require Justin Fields taking a bit of a leap here, but I think on this pod, we're 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 pretty confident that Justin Fields is a good player, and I think that he does take that step. And if he does, then Cole Komet's probably going to be a big part of that deal. We uh, signed that four year contract, and he plays every snap, so. I, I don't know. I, I He's my dark horse here. No, that's a good call. I think Komet's a guy I could I could see myself becoming a little bit higher on. Uh, I've got him at tight end 17 right now. That kind of feels too low just hearing you, you talk about him. But um, <laughs> Schultz is a guy I'm selling if I, if I got him on a squad. <laughs> I, I'm not a believer in that dude. Uh, there's a couple guys he's ranked over on Keep Trade Cut, uh, like Isaiah Likely, our dude Luke Musgrave. Uh, even Irv Smith, who just moved over to Cincinnati, I think all those dudes have way more upside than Schultz. And I'll, I'll even use like the other side of your crutch argument there. I think like he could end up being like the main target of like opposing defenses in that uh, situation as well. So you know if they're gonna like sit back and make Stroud beat him deep, I could see him like just getting a lot of defensive attention. Uh, so I'm not really, I'm just not sold on it. And you know it, it's. I'll sell at tight end 18 on keep trade cut. I, I'll keep this quick, Tarek, I promise. But all right, Trey. So I, I think that when I factor in his ranking here, I, I think about like this contender versus rebuilder thing. And I think that Dalton Schultz is a certified starter for a contending roster, which is why I have him as high as I do. Um, I think that he does have some some viability, and I, I think that I'd feel way more comfortable starting him than a lot of the tight ends here. But, yeah, what what, what happens next year, who, <laughs> you know, who knows? Yeah, I, I completely disagree. He is a bench player for a contender, in my opinion. All right. All right, well, let me go ahead and give my tight end two that I think could very easily have a top eight season. And a little peek behind the curtain here is like before we started recording, we kind of went over, you know, who we're going to talk about here very quickly. Um, And I said Greg Dulcich and both Trey and Mitch were kind of like, what do you mean, Greg Dulcich? Like, he's not a tight end two. He's a tight end one. And I was like, keep trade cut, man. He's tight end 14. So 
Uh, yeah. yeah, but we have him all really high. I'm actually the lowest on Greg Dulcich. I thought I was like the Greg Dulcich truther of the group. Mitch has him at nine. <laughs> Trey has him at 10. I've got him at 12. I think Greg Dulcich is a, is a baller. Um, he came in with a really nice pass catching profile last year. And all he did when he was on the field is ball out. So he was number six in the league in slot snaps. So basically played slot receiver in his first year. 10.6 ADOT, which was number three among tight ends. Number seven air yard share at 18.6. I mean, number 17 in fantasy points per game is respectable as a rookie with only two touchdowns to his name. Um, so Greg Dulcich, I, I'm absolutely head over heels for this kid. Um, I'm trying to target him in every possible league. I think it's not likely he's a top eight tight end because I really like the top eight or nine guys that we have ranked there, but I think he's got the best shot of, of any of these guys. Love it. All right. So I know you guys agree with that, so I won't linger there too often, but uh, let's move on to our last tight end topic before we quickly talk about some training camp storylines. And that's uh, cheap tight ends that you're stashing and a tight end you are selling. Mitch, let's start with you. Just give them both to us. All right, I got Noah Fant. He's number 28 on Keep Trade Cut. And I really tried to come up with some good reasons here, and I can't do that because he's done nothing but piss me off. Uh, he, he's got <laughs> less than 20% snap share. Uh, he's got a lot of receivers competing for targets. But I do think that I like his talent, and I think that he's a good player. And I think despite what... Uh, what it looks like here. I think that he's actually going to be better than advertised. I don't believe in like Bill Wisley or Dill, Dill Wisley or whatever. Um, I, I think that the wide receiver room there is going to open some things up for him a little more. And he's 25 now, so that means he should be good. <laughs> and then, All right. oh, the other guy. Then, yeah, the other guy that you are selling. Uh, I'm selling Tyler Higby. Uh, he's tight end 33 after posting 108 targets, and uh, he was number tight end or tight end number four in target share. Uh, so why why on earth is he number 33, and why am I selling him? Because I've seen him go way earlier than that in a lot of startups that I've been in, and he kind of fits into this uh, redraft versus dynasty tight end, where I, I think that people are expecting him to start in in their lineup and so i would rather pivot off of there and take uh like a like a pick here like a second round pick or something where are you getting uh higby tight end 33 where where is that coming from i got 33 from keep trade cut unless that's wrong he's tight in 24 tight in 24 on keep trade cut i i noticed that keep trade cut has completely different rankings when you do um super flex versus non and some of my shit was completely wrong after i did oh. that but i don't, <laughs> don't worry dude that. it's not a big that's not it a big is deal. no yeah when you turn off super flex it's tight end 33 okay i'm not fucking crazy okay, <laughs> okay you're right you're right wild okay okay let's keep wild all of this West, i want man. you guys to understand what i'm saying here is that his value is all over the place and i've seen his value okay that that makes me feel way better because he's 23 in a completely different ranking and so that's just it like sell him there it is yeah, there's your case 
you're not going to get much with selling Higby. Uh, I I kind of like the upside uh, in that offense, but anyway. Um, so I already told you guys I'm selling Dalton Schultz. Uh, the dude in this range, super cheap, that I wouldn't mind stashing is uh, Cade Otten, uh, second-year player for the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think he could be a really high-volume uh, receiver for that Mayfield slash Kyle Trask uh, bad, shitty offense. Uh, he was a big producer in college. He was a uh, first pick in the fourth round last year out of Washington. If that offense is slightly better than we think, if this player who's a good producer can take a step forward in his second year as a pro, uh, he's only tied in 31 right now on keep trade cut. We now hope, uh, know how unreliable those ranks are. Uh, he could very well go as like a mid-range tight end two this year. Um, it's definitely in the range of outcomes. All right, and I will quickly say that my uh, stash here is Jake Ferguson. We referenced him earlier when talking about Luke who no maker. Um, Jake Ferguson's got a year in that Dallas system under his belt, and he is younger than Luke Shoemaker. I think he profiles as a slightly better pass catcher than Shoemaker too, and he's cheaper. Uh, so I'll go ahead and uh, you know stash Ferguson. You can get him really cheap, and then the guy I am selling, Isaiah Likely. Um, he's tied in 19 in keep trade cut. If you look at the super flex numbers, uh, <laughs> um, but I, I have him tied in 23. So it's not a huge discrepancy here. I just think like there's no meat on the bone behind, uh, Mark Andrews there. As long as Mark Andrews is healthy and rather than like roster a tight end handcuff, I'd rather just like take a shot on a guy who could be the guy, uh, like Ferguson or, um, Otten or, or Everett or something like that, who is cheaper. Um, than Mr. Isaiah Likely. We should acknowledge that Mr. Isaiah Likely is pretty damn good, though. And, like, in leagues that I don't have Mark Andrews, I, I don't is mind. He? Yeah. Is what, what, he's is he good that at, good? Yeah, he's fast as shit. He was a rookie last year, man. What, what, this brings us all back to the expectations of a rookie tight end. Like, I think that he showed a lot of signs of being good, but what did you want him to do? Like he's yeah. behind Mark fucking Andrews. <laughs> so what do you and want that offense from him? Struggled last year too. Like so he, he had a he he did get a lot of play when he was in the game. Like his target rate is good. Like his his and that's slot good for a rookie, my man. So I I I hear you, but again, like I'm not I'm not looking to roster a tight end handcuff. You know that's, that's just not that's what I'm what, looking that's to what do. That's what he is. I'll give you that. So that's why I'm a little bit behind market, and and I will sell. Although. I say that I have a good amount of likely, and every time I include him in a trade, it really doesn't move the needle. So there's you moonwalking, baby. Bad advice. There's me moonwalking. All right, let's. We got about you know maybe 15 minutes here. We'll we'll go a little bit over an hour today to talk about training camp. Uh, go through some storylines that we're paying attention to. Again, shout out to Chris Harris and the usual caveats here is that the 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 training camp hype machine is largely bullshit and you should largely ignore it but there there may be some signal in all that noise so Trey what is a training camp storyline you are paying attention to all right well we just talked up Isaiah likely so I just want to keep it in Baltimore <laughs> Lamar uh yes. my my camp storyline is is just going to be how this wide receiver room shakes out for the Baltimore offense. I think it's really interesting to see uh, how the reps are going to go. Uh, Zay Flowers is who I'm betting on. He's my wide receiver 26 in Dynasty. I think it's very uh, possible he could move up the ranks if he's getting consistent first team reps. 
Uh, if he's getting all the snaps, a lot of playing time, like the drum beat is going for this guy. Like I will definitely react to that. Uh, I think shoddy B just came back from uh, the pup uh, and he's been really, really effective when he's been on the field. The problem is he's really uh, had a lot of bad luck with injuries. Uh, so he's currently wide receiver 39 in my ranks, but I think a year three breakout is very much in the range of outcomes for shoddy B and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Man, like he could be worth a dart throw. He could be a flex fill in on a contending roster uh, as potentially the wide receiver two in this offense. Basically, I think this offense is going to be one of the best in the league. I think it should support at least one good, reliable fantasy starter at wide receiver. So depending on who's getting the reps, what do the formations and personnel look like? That's definitely going to impact my ranking of these three dudes over the next couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, if you even look at the running back room, I'm kind of expecting uh, Dobby to have a redemption year too, but um, not a lot. I think we're going to learn about him in training camp. I just want to see him practicing really going to be focusing on these wide receivers. Yeah, Trey, I I'm also focusing on these wide receivers. I I could say this the same thing about the Chiefs. I'm I'm not going to, but that's what this reminds me of. Um, and the big difference for me is I think all three of these guys are better than the best receiver on the Chiefs. Well, Rasheed Rice would would take issue. No, but yeah, I I think I think you're right. I I do. I I like Zay Flowers over yeah, uh, Shoddy B, Odell Beckham. It's a fun wide receiver group, but I don't, I don't think they can all eat. And the the comparison right. here is that as the Chiefs eat, you know, the King eats first, and and Andrews is going to eat, and then whoever else is left, I think, is going to eat as well. Um, I think I I let me interject there and say I think two of them can eat, and and the Todd Monken offense with. A underrated passer in Lamar Jackson. I think two of them can eat. I agree, but I don't think that we're going to be able to isolate the other guy because I think the other guy takes turns as where Andrews is the consistent guy. Maybe maybe somebody emerges, and if I were going to bet on like a, a two to three year bet, then Zay Flowers would obviously be the guy. But if I'm looking at this from a redraft perspective, I think I'd rather take my shot on Odell Beckham Jr., uh, shoddy B coming off that foot injury. Yeah. I don't, I don't love that for a fast guy. I don't love that. So my shoddy B is probably going to be, well, I, I don't think I have any and it's probably going to stay that way. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I just think Bateman probably has a better shot at wide receiver one than you're giving him credit for. Uh, so that's maybe the safest bet out of the three, but I get there's, there's a lot of risk with him. It would be pretty safe being that first round pick this year he's he's the guy now right we'll see and that's why i want to be paying attention to this in training camp that's a good yeah. point trey yeah y'all mentioned rasheed rice uh th- speaking of things maybe we're not spectacular ravens wide receiver uh, no I, <laughs> I i just wanted to reference like the whole thing here is what are are we paying attention to right so rasheed rice having a phenomenal propaganda camp essentially so far so that would be something that i'm not necessarily paying attention to right now so i just wanted to like throw that out there is like it's really easy to see rasheed rice tearing it up in camp and for you to go overpay for him like that happens all the time in dynasty leagues so that's i wanted to counterpoint 
there, like Rasheed Rice and the hype machine behind him is something I would be a little bit more weary of. We're going to have an episode after week one, and it's going to be after Rasheed Rice scores a touchdown against the Lions saying, don't buy the hype there, too. It's going to be pretty funny. Tune in. <laughs> yeah, if he scores a touchdown on week one, he's going to be a flaming sell. <laughs> All right, Mitch, what is the training camp storyline you're paying attention to? All right, I'm paying attention to two quarterback battles, the one in San Francisco and the one in Tampa Bay, because I want to buy whichever two lose these battles. Uh, we've talked about Trey Lance a lot in this show. We expect him to be the, uh, well, not the starter there. And I I think, as we've mentioned before as well, I, I think he's going to get a shot somewhere. Or if he gets a shot in San Francisco, that's cool. But I I don't know. I, I, I think that no matter who loses that, if it's Brock Purdy, then then cool too because that means his his arm wasn't ready or or something like that because he's the incumbent based on his health so either way i'm looking to buy whoever loses there but the tampa bay quarterback battle is probably a little more interesting to me because we don't know really anything about kyle trask um i've been hearing that he's been looking better than baker mayfield in camp but that doesn't mean that he is going to be the starter either. But what I do think is going to happen in Tampa Bay is that both quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, are going to get a chance. And I want the second guy that's going to get his chance because he's going to be cheaper after he's named the the backup. So just so you can ride that value wave yes. with the uh, cheaper dude. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's not a bad Makes strategy. Sense. Yeah. Um the other thing I, I want to say here is like the the general mindset here for training camp storylines. I've kind of been taking a little bit more of a high level view at this is that bad stories are a lot more important to pay attention to than good stories. Right. So if you've got beat reporters saying that this guy can't figure it out, this guy ha has had, you know, strung together a couple bad days of camp, um, then that's something a little like if the team cannot help. This is what Chris Harris always says. If the team cannot help but a bad story leak about a player, then that's really concerning. So, for instance, Trey Lance, um, apparently he's strung together a couple of subpar throwing practices here. So that's something that you could maybe be a little bit more concerned about than you would be positive about if he was tearing up camp, right? So I, I also wanted to throw that out as well. Uh, any reactions? Yeah, so you're saying pay attention to the red flags and ignore the green flags, which makes a lot of sense because a lot, For of, the the, most part, a lot yeah. of these reports are fluff pieces by the local media of like whichever team it is. So yeah, like, obviously right. they want to talk them up. They want to be like, yeah, we're going to fuck it. Crush you guys, yeah, that, but like, I mean, if, if you think about it like logistically, a beat reporter is incentivized to give you good give the team good coverage because that gives them access to the and people team, are going right? to click that and be like yeah he's looking good fuck yeah he is but yeah like if you're if you're a beat reporter and you're constantly like critiquing the players the players aren't going to talk to you the coaches aren't going to talk to you etc cetera, etc cetera, right so that's the like the background here to being weary about training camp hype is because there's an incentive structured for beat reporters to be positive. I will say, though, occasionally a green flag slips through. And that was like Isaiah Pacheco last year 
Where Isaiah, we were, James Robinson was another really important green flag to pay attention to. Where, where we're just so like, you, okay, nah. you, you you said Pacheco, I said Robinson. That transitions us really well into what I want to pay attention to, and that's what are the handcuff running backs in like murky handcuff situations that are quote unquote getting reps with the first team, right? Pacheco, Robinson, th- those are some of those guys. And I'm not paying attention to that because I think that signals they're going to like take the job or anything like that. But I think it at least helps clarify who the true handcuff is. So, for instance, like the teams that I think this applies to the Browns, uh, the Vikings, the Dolphins, the Titans, the Jags, the Cowboys, a a lot of these teams, there's several candidates for the backup running back job. And to me, the guys who work with the first team, but they're not like Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry, right? Like those are, they're the Kings. They're, they're going to be the guys, but is it really Jerome Ford? Is it Tajay Spears, right? Uh, Ronald Jones actually just got suspended for two games today. So is it Malik (laughs) Davis? That is like the clear number two running back. Those are the, like the stories I want to hear is like, who are the handcuffs that are working with the first team? Because that at least proves that they're going to, they're, they're being slotted in to spell the starter and the other thing i'll just throw out here i'm obviously going to be interested if there's like a clear winner in the backfield for the chicago bears camp because that's probably the murkiest running back situation right now um with three ostensibly really good running backs in khalil herbert deontay foreman and roshan johnson so if there's like one there's like a consistent drumbeat of like it's herbert it's herbert or it's roshan it's roshan then I, I could be I, I could see myself getting a little bit swayed by that storyline. I agree, man. I 100% agree. I think that it's going to be a rotation. But if one of those guys emerges as like a 60% guy, then that dude's going to be pretty fucking nasty in fantasy, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all ranked outside the top 35 running backs. right? Yeah, so. yeah. And, and I think at a high level here, it's like, who is the handcuff that can go place my bets on? Because we, we see this happen every single year. These handcuffs, uh, when an injury goes down, they end up being gold in the uh, the fantasy playoffs. So, yeah, if you can hit on two or three of these guys, that could take you to the promised land for sure. I I have my teams littered with all three of these guys. Most Mostly uh, Deonta Foreman, I feel like, just because he is the cheapest. Um, I'm... I, I don't know, though. I have a lot of uh, Herbert that I acquired last year that I am hoping is the the leader there. Yeah, the I, I do want to shout out, like, for instance, let's like make this a little bit actionable. Some of the narrative out of Vikings camp right now is that Kenny Nguangwu has been getting a shot with the first team offense, right? I feel like it's been Alexander Madison, obviously, but a lot of the talk has been around Ty Chandler all off season. Not a lot of talk about Kenny Nwangwu. Kenny Nwangwu on a lot of dynasty waivers out there right now. I'm not saying Kenny Nwangwu is the handcuff. I'm saying that that storyline is something I picked up on a little bit. It's something that like made my spidey sense go off. Is like Nwangwu getting a shot with the first team. I think there's a really good shot he's better than Ty Chandler. Like we just don't know, right? But I feel like there's a lot higher chance that Nwangwu is on your dynasty waivers than Chandler is. Um, so, you know, potentially some actionable advice there. All right. Anything else, guys? Any 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 other final thoughts? I'm paying attention to the Jets just because they're similar to the Patriots. They're they're hosting a lot of running backs. And I 
really want some more Brees Hall shares. So I really hope they sign a dude that I don't know isn't just like a guy. Like if they if they were to sign Cook, they were to sign Dalvin. Same thing as Tarek mentioned last episode. I would get me some Brees Hall shares. Um, Love it. But if it's Hunt or Zeke or literally anybody. Like, this signals to me, though, that Brees is certainly not going to be ready for the first, like, six games. And what I mean by that is whether he's on the pup or not, he's not going to be getting that RB1 workload. So, yeah, I'm I'm paying a lot of attention to the Jets right now. Yeah, and, and Brees Hall is, it's very comparable to Saquon Barkley, in my opinion. Like, what we saw when he was healthy last year is, like, so tantalizing to the point where, like, if there's ever any dip in his value, then I, I feel like you should be taking advantage of it. So I agree there. Uh, I, just because you referenced it, I'm, I'm going to say it. Uh, last week, I, I submitted a plea for <laughs> Dalvin Cook to sign with the Patriots so that I could get a Ramondre Stevenson share. And that hasn't happened yet. But in our uh, TLG show league, our, our very first show league, I was able to secure my first Ramondre Stevenson share. Round of applause, so I'm at ten. I'm at, I'm at ten percent exposure, boys. Let's go. Just just in time for that Leonard Fournette uh, signing. <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna. I literally, I'll just go buy more. There it is. All right, man. All right, everyone. Uh, I appreciate y'all, guys. Next time, are we fucking doing reputation players? It's gonna be mid August by the next time we record. Yeah, I think we uh, have an, to an episode. I think it's reputation player time. My favorite episode of the year. Uh, So looking forward to episode 92. But thank you guys for listening to 91. We will talk to you all soon. Bye. So long.